0: Hello, Blunders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 86 of Real Blend, the only podcast that hasn't seen The Irishman yet.
1: <laughs> it really Though feels Kevin like... Kevin is not here, so do you think maybe, he's he's, he, maybe he's... Wouldn't that be... That would be so Kevin to, like, pop in and be like, guys, I just saw The Irishman.
0: Actually, Kevin's sitting in traffic, which yeah, is that's true. far less exciting than watching yeah. the new Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> Uh, BDK is on his way. Uh, we had to get started because we're all traveling this week. Uh, Jake is heading off to London. I am heading to points uh, unknown. I can't mention yet where. I know where you're going. Jake knows where I'm going and he knows why I'm going, but uh, it's one of those under embargo things. My name is Sean O'Connell. I am the managing director here at Cinema Blend uh, and I am one third of the co hosting triumvirate of Real Blend. Because Kevin's stuck in traffic, I get to start with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hello, Jake. How are you?
1: I love that that's why you start. Because one of our hosts literally just isn't here.
0: Yes. We'll start with Jake. Well, I would have started with Kevin because we were the only two here last week. And uh, I like to mix it up. I don't want uh, to. It's the father in me that doesn't like to show favoritism. I like to make sure that everybody feels happy. Most of the time,
1: um, see, I've always said you were the big, you were our big brother. You you revert back to the father thing. I'm trying to euthanize you, man. That's the wrong word. <laughs> euthanize euthanize is the, the wrong that is,
0: word. That is not the right word. That is more of a Freudian slip. <laughs> that really speaks to... Oh, I garbled the English language (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to reviews because we have a lot of show to get to. Oh, before we do that, I want to let everybody know this is the episode uh, where we will be running our Joaquin Phoenix interview on behalf of Joker. And man, am I glad that we got that interview for so many reasons. A, because it's amazing. uh, And B... Because as they get closer and closer to Joker, uh, the people involved in it don't really want to talk about it anymore. They cut people off the red carpet. They're not doing as many interviews. And so not only do we have uh, 20-some-odd minutes, close to 30 minutes with Joaquin Phoenix this week, we're going to have Todd Phillips on the show uh, next week. So we're going to stretch our Joker coverage over the course of two weeks, and we're going to give our spoiler-filled reviews uh, in next week's podcast. Jake, anything to throw in about the The Joaquin interview?
1: You know, it's crazy. Yeah, we're on the rare end of, uh, uh, you know, it was already a small press day whenever we got Joaquin. And he didn't do really much press or any press in Toronto. And then, yeah, they just announced uh, at the premiere over this past weekend that they cut all press from the red carpet because they're basically tired of answering the same question over and over again about um, the risk of violence. Uh, with this movie but uh, yeah it was I mean just there's there so many great stories and we'll wait for Kevin to get there to sort of talk about the moment but it, yeah. it, it was up there in the pantheon of uh, Tarantino afterwards where we were all just kind of jumping up and down in an empty hotel room yeah. uh, amazed was. at how well it
0: went it was pretty great um, let's get the reviews so this one comes from Jake you're not know, gonna believe this we have a review from Argentina this week <gasps> Uh, a five star review from someone who this, I can't, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. This is one big word, and it's Ditala Diario. Ditala Diario. Gabe, that's close, right? That's kind of it. Yeah, give or take. Gabe uh, just gave you the, the De Niro, like, who uses a very Marvel esque. I love you 3000 subject line. Aww. and says, I've been following Jake's interviews ever since he offered his fold out couch to celebrities. Jake, that was explain a long that time. joke. <laughs> explain uh, that
1: joke. So I used to have, you know, whenever you do these junkets, you're you're one of 50, 60 people in a day and you kind of want to start out strong and you want to end in a memorable way. And I used to have this. I don't really use it so much anymore. It's Especially very funny. When I was in Houston, I used to have this go to line to end an interview where I would say, if you ever come through Houston, I have a very comfortable fold out couch. And it would, I'd argue, a good 95% of the time (laughs) elicit a really fun, kind of genuine, at least a chuckle from people that a lot of times wouldn't normally chuckle. Um you know, like The idea d- of d-
0: Anthony Hopkins on a yes. fold-out couch. Yeah, on Houston. a fold-out couch.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's entertaining. Um not not a like, hey, come through, let's go get drinks, let's do this, but like, I will I will give you the second best bed in my home. <laughs> uh, and it was always just kind of a fun way. And it kind of came sort of the, my my uh, my go to sign off line. But um, I don't know, as I've gotten older, it just
0: feels creepier. You all you just don't want celebrities in your house anymore. Uh this That's person very true. says it was thanks to him I got to know about Kevin and Sean's work, all three always delivering well thought out questions. questions. Questions, but I only found out they were working together on this podcast back in December 2018, summer season in Argentina, which meant I had all my vacation days to catch up with the show and avoid all pitbull songs now listen hey that's, you know, hey that's where we're gonna differ because clearly we're big supporters of pitbull on this by the way i did watch the uh yes pitbull song to the joker dancing down yes. the stairs yes wait tell, tell tell explain to people what it is so there's a meme uh, out there and it's this joker scene uh which you all will see on the big screen very soon when you go see joker it's also in some of the trailers of him dancing down the stairs um you have not unless you've seen the movie you don't know the song that he's dancing to yet and that's a Surprise that I want to keep For everybody to find out In the theaters But this meme Sets it to that God awful Aquaman uh, Song by By Pitbull And it kind of fits The moment It really does fit It fits it perfectly um, So Don't knock Pitbull when They also do reduce. it
1: to uh, There's also one that they set To Eminem's Venom That was that was the other one that they did. Oh, my God.
0: All right. Anyway, I absolutely loved every minute of the show. I'd finally found a podcast with people who love movies and talking about movies as much as I do. And I've also found it educational from time to time about the entertainment industry. Ever since, I've taken Real Blend with me to work and on vacation each week. The list of films to watch grows thanks to the hosts and the Blender family, which is one of the best parts of the show. Thank you, Gabe, Jake. Sean and Kevin for all the hard work. And to Kevin's mom, she was a fundamental part of this podcast taking off the way that it did. Uh, that is very, very true. We owe almost everything to Kevin's mom. That's, uh, that is that is
1: that is a review written by someone who knows our stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. And a mention of the Blender family, I I have to throw out um, a shout out to them as well too on social media. Just an amazing group of people who continuously interact with ourselves and each other. Uh, This week, they all played along with Joaquin Phoenix Blend. I probably should mention the top of the show that we're going to play that later in the episode. Um, And they just really like to respond to things that we put up on social media, including our weekly polls Um, we're starting to do weekly polls now we post them on Fridays as long as I remember to do them and usually it leads to some sort of conversation here on the show so the weekly poll this week or the for this week's show was was Spider-Man ever really out of the MCU your choices were yes I believe it or no it was a total publicity stunt so for people who don't know this and yet it was a massive story so you probably do know it at this point Disney and Sony have figured out uh, their deal again and Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man is back in the MCU after three weeks of will he or won't he uh, branch out on his own in uh, into the Sony-verse. But there was a number of things that Kevin Feige said there in the statement that I found to be really intriguing. First and foremost, uh, not only will they produce the third Spider-Man movie, but Spider-Man will be able to show up in another MCU film, which leads us to wonder which one it will be. Uh, whether it be Doctor Strange uh, 2 or Black Panther 2 or maybe Blade or any of these other films that have been announced. But then in addition, uh, they mentioned the fact that he could also potentially go over to the Sony universe. So Jake, it's pretty close these answers. Uh, Any guess whether yes, I believe it or no total publicity stunt dominated?
2: I
1: think... I think people probably think it's a publicity stunt.
0: I do not. You are correct. 59% thought that this was a publicity stunt where 41% said that they believed uh, it.
1: I just don't think that a studio would do that. I just I mean I don't. I mean I maybe was it ever 110% absolute final, but I don't understand why like why do you need that publicity? What what is the what is the benefit of the publicity there? What is it what well, is it publicizing?
0: I guess it was just publicized negotiations, right? Whatever studio wanted to get the upper hand, they got that that story out. And I don't remember if it was Sony. I think it was Sony who who released the information that Disney was not going to play ball anymore. So maybe they wanted to get a better deal. And I think now ultimately what it came down to is that they're back to the same deal that they kind of had. So it was all for naught, you know. All of this public scrutiny and Sony getting sort of slapped on the wrist by the fans was um, irrelevant.
1: But don't you think there is a difference? I feel like there are two answers in one of those answers because there is a difference between, okay, he was never 110% out and right. it's a publicity stunt. Like yeah, maybe true. it wasn't 100% settled, which is what I would lean toward, but I don't think it was a publicity stunt. I don't think they all sat down and went, okay, guys, we can throw all this stuff out there and it's going to it's gonna really ex- you know expand the brand right, for Spider-Man. Right, I don't right. think that was the case. I mean, they just had the highest grossing Spider-Man movie ever. They don't need to publicize it.
0: All right, let me ask you, because you had said you're off the Marvel Phase 4 bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Are you? Is there a foot back on it now that Spider-Man's back in, or are you still sort of indifferent?
1: Here's what I'll say. Yeah, yeah. But it does make me—I <laughs> I was um a, a little de- emotionally detached from Far From Home uh, after that news broke. And it makes me now like Far From Home more, because I just feel like Far From Home had so much stuff going for it that was tied to the MCU— and I haven't even re-wanted wanted to re-watch that movie since it's been available on VOD. Uh, because it's just like, well, what's the point now?
0: Isn't and that funny? Like the movie didn't change.
1: No, the movie but but the But your opinion
0: changed. on on yes. the movie changed. Yeah. That's odd. I do feel that way. I did feel, honestly, when that news broke, I was like, I did feel better about going out to get my copy of Yes. Of Far From Home Now after that, which is ridiculous because I would own it anyway. But I I was like, eh, maybe I don't have to get it first day. But uh Gabe was putting a note in that says Disney is actually getting twenty-five percent. Instead of 5%, uh, but they're not getting the 50% that they had wanted. Per a variety report, Disney proposed a co-finance, proposed to co-finance 25% of the new Spider-Man film in return for 25% of the film's profits. Okay, so so big. Which doesn't
1: that mean that all the problems were Disney's fault? If Disney's the one that have to cut back and go from 50 to 25... (laughs) we want oh oh oh! what are they going to do take away the interviews they're not giving me we
0: want JJ we want JJ on the show <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop it <laughs> uh, alright check out the real on twitter feed on Friday which is the day that the new poll will publish to see what we'll be discussing in next week's <laughs> poll next week's
3: poll
1: is how great is Disney <laughs> one choice is
0: very great, second choice is super great. Uh, talking points. Uh, two big trailers dropped today, which is fortuitous for us, because normally the big trailers drop right after we record our episode. Yeah, right? Uh, the first one we're going to get into is Birds of Prey, hoping that hopefully BDK will be on the show by the time we get around to 6 Underground, because uh, he's far he's more a excited couple minutes that out. one than we are. Um, I saw the Birds of Tra- Birds of Prey trailer, and... It just strikes me as Harley Quinn, the movie. Like, I I get that they want her to be a big part of the film. And obviously, everyone kind of loves Margot Robbie's uh, interpretation of Harley Quinn. And if you're going to build around anybody who was in Suicide Squad, that's who you'd build around, uh, of course. But um, I was hoping that the first trailer would give us a little bit more of an idea of the other characters in it. Even Ewan McGregor's villain, uh, Black Mask, is kind of relegated to just, like, reaction shots. And it's a whole lot of Harley Uh, that's not to say that the movie is going to be that way, but it had me a little bit cautious about the fact that I don't really want to see a Harley Quinn movie. I was excited about the idea of the the Birds of Prey characters getting introduced and us seeing more of the villains in Gotham. Am I misreading it or did you sort of get that idea also?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't walk away because I don't know a lot about the backstory behind who the Birds of Prey are, if I'm being honest. And after that trailer, I still have absolutely no idea. I'm reminded of yeah. A character from a movie that I absolutely hated—I got that—but <laughs> yeah. the trailer did absolutely nothing for me. If I'm being honest, um, I mean, I, I I liked Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn and Su- like she was probably one of, if not the oh, one of the few good things about Suicide Squad. I'm not entirely sure I want an entire movie from her character. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the vibe I'm getting. Uh would love to see you and McGregor kind of let loose and have fun. I got I feel like we got a few hints that he might start getting to do that. Uh but I was I walked away disappointed from that trailer. If the purpose of a trailer is I mean, granted, we're going to see everything. So it doesn't matter one way or the other. But if you're an average moviegoer and the purpose of a trailer is to get you to see a movie, then that trailer failed. Yeah. Because I true. Did not, because it did not make me want to see the movie.
0: Yeah, no, I guess that's fair. Um, it depends what they're selling it on, right? Like they're just they're selling it on the first DC movie since Aquaman, uh, so they will hope you get excited about that. Not, not counting me-
1: Joker, or you're talking about the DCEU.
0: I guess I'm talking about the DCEU. Joker just seems such a standalone to me, um, and it's selling me on. Hey, you loved Margot Robbie as this character, and what I will say is the bits that I saw in the trailer did really make it seem like uh, she's dialed into. The fact that Harley is crazy and because she's crazy is is wildly unpredictable uh, and she could be having a lot of fun in that part. Now, is that enough to get me into this movie? P- potentially, you know? Y- yes, I do want to see more of that character. And I did leave Suicide Squad saying, oh, cool. I hope they continue to do more with her.
1: But her craziness that, that I liked in Suicide Squad, I liked because of her interactions with other characters. Sure. And I felt like if, you know, and I'm hoping that that's what Birds of Prey would be, too, that she'd be interacting with other characters. But based on the trailer, all I saw was her craziness just up front and center, not yeah. bouncing off of other people and sort of people not trying to figure out, you know, sort of what to do with her. But just here like, oh, you you liked a little bit of her. Well, here's
2: a
0: lot. Yeah, I know. And maybe the movie isn't this, but it would have been cool if the trailer almost sold this on everybody else. And yeah. then halfway through Like they did with
1: the Joker and the Suicide Squad trailers. Oh, yes. But remember how badly that went. I know. Well, I'm hoping that like Suicide Squad, (laughs) these are just badly, these are poorly representative of what the movie is.
0: Yeah. Except those were better. Yes. Those are great trailers that represent. I'm just hoping it's the reverse. So this is coming into theaters in February. I assume we're going to get at least one more big trailer, probably attached to. Oh, this might be on Doctor Sleep. No, 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 that's not until November. There's got to be a Warner Brothers. Joker. Movie, man, It'll be October. with Joker. Oh, yeah. T- t- all right, yeah. You know,
1: what? I don't know it's, if you heard. Joker comes out this week.
0: Should be with Joker. Did you see that tweet? I hate to throw this person under the bus. That person from the Hollywood Reporter. Did you happen to see that tweet that I responded no. to, who said uh, no. they did not, they couldn't understand why this oh, the Joker yeah, movie. Yeah. Brilliantly yeah. acted, yeah. Uh, tremendous production design. But but why is it? Uh, how come there's no humor in it? Where's yeah. the optimism? Where's you, g- the you gave optimism. a great response. Tell them
1: what your response was.
0: <laughs> I said, uh, this is the sound of someone who is really frustrated that the Joker movie is, a, is an actual Joker movie and not a Superman movie. Like right. the things they were looking for don't belong in a Joker movie at yeah. all they it's like watching The Shining movie.
1: and be like you know there aren't enough family values in right. this film
0: why is he so mean to his kid <laughs> I don't understand speaking of being mean to my kids <laughs> i to chastise Kevin McCarthy for being late hey! to the show yes yeah.
2: Sean, Gabe, Jake, sorry about that. I was uh, stuck in traffic. I was in Annandale, Virginia, driving to Silver Spring, Maryland. Which uh, people, anyone knows that uh, it's uh, not not a close drive. Uh, But there was an accident on the American Legion Bridge. So my apologies. But I'm here with you guys now. And as Kevin drove
1: by the accident, he went, "Move aside!
2: I've got real blend to record." Well, one, I want to say anybody who was involved in any type of accident, I hope you're okay. Course, uh, thankfully, always. the accident was being cleared up as we were driving by it. So it was, it was, uh, it was, the timing was fine. Kevin,
0: you joined us just in time for us to get into our reactions to the trailer for Michael Bay's Six, yes. un- six Underground. <laughs> yes. I will say to you, uh, I'm totally on board with this because Can't of the wait. magnet scene.
2: Bayham. <laughs> the magnet scene looked... Insane Sean I am 100% with you When that (laughs) magnet scene hit For the first time I literally shouted That was amazing (laughs) First of all uh, I have I will always be uh, A firm believer In Michael Bay Being an awesome director And I understand That he's made some films that people would disagree with me on. Uh, maybe Pearl Harbor. Maybe uh, I like the island, but I get that that was one that was criticized. Um, I think that Transformers 2 and 4 and 5 were absolute pieces of garbage. Um, but that being said, The Rock, Bad Boys 1 and 2, uh, Armageddon, Pain and Gain. I mean, the guy has an amazing record. Well, and I want him s-
0: out of the Transformers franchise, like things without Transformers in them.
2: Did you notice that the sound effect that was used during the magnet scene was a little Transformer-esque?
0: It probably like, was.
1: Isn't he known for, like, just taking stuff from his other, like, shots and stuff from his other movies and repurposing them for uh, for his old movies?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he's been movies? criticized in the past. There have been, like, people that have taken screenshots from earlier Transformers film that says that the action may have been used there again. But that being said... Here's what I like about the trailer, and I know that we all have different opinions on it. I mean, Bad Boys 2 is one of my favorite films of all time. So I like this style of Michael Bay, and I think that's kind of what Sean was alluding to is the idea of getting away from Transformers. This this would be like this would be like James Cameron returning to Terminator films for real and not doing Avatar movies anymore. Well, that, but I'll if, say if that this. makes sense.
0: I will judge this movie solely on. Should he have gone back to do Bad Boys for Life Ooh. instead of doing this?
2: So here's an interesting thing about that. Um, I With Bad Boys for Life, I think the trailer is very good. I am a, still upset that Michael Bay didn't direct it. That being said, the trailer for Six Underground, here's what makes me excited. Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese. Those two names are... Uh, in my opinion, uh, ve- they're very good writers. The first Zombie Lamb was incredible. Deadpool was amazing. Um, and then them combined with Michael Bay, then combined with Ryan now, Reynolds.
0: Yeah, but I want to throw I'm out all one in. thing. The only thing that stood out to me was I saw their names and got very excited because I do like their screenplays. But, but they're writing dialogue for Ryan Reynolds, and I think that they have done that too often that I almost start to fear that Ryan Reynolds is playing a version of Ryan Reynolds from the past few movies. Jake, do you get that impression?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of my issue with the whole trailer is that it seems like a bunch of people doing just what they think people expect of them. Like the whole trailer felt like uh, Michael Bay making a Michael Bay movie or like someone trying to make a Michael Bay movie. Um, And it kind of felt like Ryan Reynolds doing the same bit that Ryan Reynolds does I mean, it sort of kind of, you know, and and yeah, these writers, they've written great moments for Ryan Reynolds, but it sort of feels like they're afraid to do any like they know that that works. So yeah. they just thought, well, let's just do that again. Like it felt like to me, Ryan Reynolds is playing the same character he always has. And, and whenever they write for him, remember, Jake hates the
0: Deadpool
3: movies. I don't that hate the true. Deadpool
0: I movies. I don't hate that. the yeah. Deadpool I was movies. I reminding you about I just that don't Sean, love them right. the way Jake that you guys do. Deadpool movies. He hates yeah, right. Deadpool hey, 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 don't you don't
3: do Sean, don't you hate bad boys, too?
0: I do I do not like well, Bad Boys Two as much as Bad Boys One, yeah. but ah, there's a number of great ah, scenes in Bad Boys ah, Two.
2: Both so. of you guys are on my S list here. Come on, you can, you can't <laughs> on your drive. S list, dude. No, I'm the, not Armageddon is is a guilty pleasure, but I, I love
1: Armageddon. Oh, the, love rock the Rock is tremendous. The yeah. Rock is tremendous. Like I, I don't, I I am not a uh, uh, Michael Bay apologist because I don't feel like he, I think he's earned uh, the respect of filmmakers. I just, just this trailer does nothing for me.
2: In all honesty, Jake does not actually hate the Deadpool movies. Sean and I are just giving uh, are joking around with him. By the way, I I I said S, uh, <laughs> forgetting that we already have the E yeah, on our podcast because of Joaquin because Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix yeah. drops a
0: thousand of them fly, in the man. interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. The one thing I want to know about this, and then we'll move on. I promise. I need to know what the runtime is on Six Underground. If it's ninety minutes, ninety five minutes. Oh, it's not going to be. Perfect. It's Michael Bay. It's going to be like two and a half hours. No, I just want him to get back to doing a tight. You know. Hey, Bare
1: bones. no one tells Michael Bay no anymore.
2: <sighs> running times, nobody. Uh, I'm 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 tired of people getting mad about running times because Irishman. We we've all discussed this now. It's three and a half hours. We've seen the reviews. Uh, a filmmaker can do long well Wait. if it's done well.
0: Can I do my Can I do my opening joke for Kevin again, please? Oh, I want to hear it because I right. missed
2: it because I was in traffic.
0: You did miss it in traffic. All right, here we go. Kevin, are you ready? Here we go. Up, all right. Up, up. Uh, Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 86 of Real Blend, the only podcast that hasn't seen The Irishman yet.
2: Oh.
1: oh that's... And then we had what... to question whether or not you were actually out seeing The Irishman.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for, and, and you guys have probably already discussed, people have already seen it. But yeah, Six Underground, I'm excited about. Uh, that's Netflix. Um, I, I did some notice something at the end of the trailer. Irishman tells us specifically that they're doing a three-week theatrical run for, um, right, for Irishman. Yeah, uh, I don't know that do Six that? Underground, did Six Underground specifically mentioned. I don't know,
1: didn't Ryan Reynolds tweet a picture earlier this morning
2: of the, the, uh, the yes. Netflix
1: DVD sleeve?
2: He did. Well, that's the thing, though. So uh, I guess I was a little confused because a lot of the Netflix films that we've seen recently, they always tell you at the end of the trailer there's going to be a certain theatrical window. Uh, Dolomite, for example, I live in D.C., and by the way, Dolomite is an amazing movie. So, Anybody yeah. you gotta go see we're that. that next. Um, yeah. So I, I do wanna mention specifically though that I'm hoping Six Underground, Netflix, if you're listening, please like, give Michael Bay a theatrical uh opening. It feels uh, like a Bay release. movie
0: would would fight for that that opportunity. Yeah. All right, this weekend movies. Um we're gonna get to Dolomite in one second. First I will ask you guys if you've seen either of these two films, Pain and Glory the almondo No, but film. I but
1: I'd love to because I've heard that um that uh Antonio Banderas is fantastic.
0: Okay. Kevin, have you
1: seen hey, it? Hey, Sean? Yes.
2: Do you think that when um <laughs> Six Underground finally opens that yeah. they might do a uh, an opening in the, in the theater on Opening Bay?
0: <laughs> have either of you guys seen the uh, Natalie Portman film Lucy in the Sky?
1: No, though I, though I'm, I lost a lot. This is going to sound strange, but I lost all interest when they said that they didn't put the diaper scene in there because I'm from Houston. And that was a big story in Houston when that happened.
0: What is this? Is this the lady who drove herself yes. someplace?
1: That's what who this movie is about. Jay, can you tell me
2: the story? I don't know what Lucy in the Sky is. So
1: I, I forget the details because it's been years and years and years and years, but it's essentially an astronaut that drove from, I believe, from Houston to, to Florida. Florida. Yeah, right. Okay. To I know confront, much. I, wasn't it like to confront her husband? Cause her husband had been doing some things that he wasn't supposed to be doing. But right. the crazy headline of this whole thing, and we're talking about an astronaut, someone who is incredibly smart. You'd like to think has their head on straight. They have to undergo a lot of, uh, you know, tests to make sure that they have what it takes to survive in space. This woman wore an adult diaper. <laughs> In her drive from Texas to Florida so that she wouldn't have to waste time time by pulling over. That's why people know this story. That's why people kind of know this woman. And they didn't put that part in the movie. And I think their argument was like, oh, well, it's too distracting. And we didn't want people to sort of think of like only think of her as the diaper lady. But it's sort of like, well... Would you have made a movie about her right.
0: if you hadn't, like, that's that's kind of how people uh, know who this lady is. And this is by no means, um, you know, the be-all and end-all to the film's success rate, but no. with 32 reviews uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at 22%. Yikes. So, uh, that's a prime example of one of those films that goes to Toronto, which we discussed. Yeah doesn't that's, have the impact it wants to have right necessarily am am I, am I
1: crazy by, by saying that I think it's ridiculous that because there are some people that are saying oh the the movie didn't need it to which I go well then
0: well, I mean I mean I don't know until I've seen the movie but but I know that that's who you're talking about when you mentioned right. the that scene right. that's the whole reason why she made headlines yeah. and like so. okay
1: crazy as that story may be if you're making a movie about this person and you're telling an accurate portrayal of who this person is that's a big thing that that person did that made headlines. So to leave Huge. it out kind of kind of messes with the whole story in general.
2: It's a Honest bit question: Better yeah. Natalie Portman film, Heat or The Professional? Uh, I'm going to say Heat.
0: I mean, The Professional she, is more her movie. Yeah, That's she's, not she's right. better.
1: She's
2: better in. Are you asking her? We, I mean, are we doing like uh, like a mini sized Portman blend right now? We're not doing right mini now? Portman blend. I was just I was just thinking about she's profes- better the in the professional, <laughs> but
1: they, but yeah. Heat's a better
2: movie. I think Professionals. Oh. I think Heat's the better movie. Professionals yeah. better for her. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. Yeah. All
0: yeah. right. Okay. I have not seen this next film, but these two guys have. Tell me why I should be excited for My Name Is Dolomite.
2: Dolomite is my name. Which, by the way, oh, is that was is... called. Way to screw yeah. me up, Gabe. It's called Dolomite.
1: Wait, can we blame that on Gabe? Yes, he
0: wrote it in the show notes wrong. (laughs) This is amazing. My name is Dolomite. He He was was testing you as a film
2: professional and you failed. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I botched it. You know what? Me being 19 minutes late, that's all gone now. (laughs) 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 Gabe, you really messed up there, Dolomite
0: is my name. Yes, correct.
2: Yeah, Dolomite was... Sean can't wait to see the
1: new Scorsese movie, The Man That Is Irish.
2: Yes. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, the six let me tell you this, Dol- Dolomite Is My Name was a gigantic surprise to me. And I think it was probably for Jake as well. I didn't know a lot about Rudy Ray Moore. Um, I mean, I'm a sucker for movies about movies as I think Jake is as well. My wife and I, Lauren and I discuss all the time. This movie basically reminded me of Room, um, the make the disaster artist. It's very similar to the concept of also Ed Wood, uh, a little bit of Ed Wood. Very Ed Wood-esque as well. And Craig Brewer, I think, is just a really talented filmmaker. I loved Black Snake Moan, loved Hustle and Flow. What's cool about Dolomite is it's an inspiring story mixed in with an extremely R-rated, raunchy script, um, which I th- I found to be really interesting tonally as a balance they found where you're laughing a lot at things that are obviously are very raunchy, but at the same time, it's an inspiring story about a guy not taking no for an answer. But on top of that, what makes it beautiful is Cody Smith McPhee's character plays a cinematographer in the film they hire from UCLA to shoot the Dolomite movie. And so within the Dolomite film, they're making a movie called Dolomite, which is, the, which is a real film that Rudy Ray Moore made. And it so, it kind
1: of came out in the middle of like the black exploitation 70s, like with Coffee and Cleopatra Jones, like all those yeah. movies that kind of came out that, that, um, that Jackie Brown is very much influenced by.
2: Right. And that's kind of like the whole concept is that and Foxy Brown and things like that. And like there's like there's so many different ways to look at this film, but the film making of it, when they when they when you're on set within the movie, looking at these PanaVision cameras, rolling film, Eddie Murphy's character at one point goes up to the cinematographer and they have a conversation about running out of film. And I don't know, it was just kind of a cool little like <laughs> But aren't they mostly school I'm sorry, Kevin, aren't they mostly terrible films? Like are they or well, they they come across They them. were horribly reviewed. Yeah, okay. Well, it's funny because like Dolomite, um, it's not, it's it's a film clearly made by people who didn't know how they were making a movie, even okay. though they had a professional writer and they had Wesley Snipes' character who who plays the director in the film on set. The movie actually didn't seem that bad when they showed clips of it. It seemed really kind of over the top and funny and goofy. And I think that like with Room, for example, I think people were laughing at Room I think Dolomite people were laughing with. I don't yep. know if Jake agrees no, with No, me I agree that. with you.
1: Like People Dol- went to Dolomite and appreciated it as a film. I think right. that people, that at the end of the film, it shows them sort of reading some really negative reviews, and I think it's one of those situations where you can make the argument that the people that wrote those reviews, uh, Dolomite was not made for. I mean, a lot yeah. of this comes from the fact that uh, that Rudy Ray Moore and his friends went to a film and didn't see themselves, or they went to a comedy because they felt like laughing, and I think they were watching a movie with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, and they don't see themselves on the screen. Like, they don't feel represented. And so that's when, uh, by that point, he had, uh, Rudy Ray Moore had already kind of created the character Dolomite through uh, comedy records. And then he, that's when he got the idea, well, why don't we take that character and make a movie about him? And then, you know, we can represent ourselves on the big screen. So the people that went to see Dolomite, they weren't laughing at the movie. They were thinking, finally, like a
2: movie yeah. for
1: us. And so the people yeah. that were re- reviewing it at the end, it didn't matter because the movie wasn't made for them.
2: Right, and that was that. That's what's interesting about the Dolomite film. And I'll tell you this: uh, right as we sit here right now, I think Eddie Murphy deserves an Oscar nomination. Oh, and without I think question. That also, Wesley the, Snipes. See, I, I think Snipes is great in the movie, and I, I keep hearing a lot of people say that Snipes steals the film. And I, I, I think that at the end of the day, when I look back on that movie, while Eddie Murphy is the lead, to me, he steals every scene he's in, regardless. And I think that the fact that Eddie Murphy as famous as Eddie Murphy is, can disappear into this role and make me believe he's Rudy Ray Moore. Um, It... it First of all, he should have won an Oscar for Nutty Professor. Uh, the the technicality of how they even shot that film to begin with and how how it was even put together at the dinner table scene uh, is mind-blowing acting to begin with. Here, he's taking on a person that a lot of people do know. People like, – I didn't know a lot about Rudy Ray Moore, but people do know him. Oh, yeah. And they know the way he says and delivered his lines and the way he danced on stage. So – Eddie Murphy becomes him. Keegan Michael Key is amazing. I thought Wesley Snipes was amazing. This is. Do you a- think?
1: I, I really think this could end up being one of the um, the SAG nominees.
2: It's in my top it's, ten it's of the a, year. Oh yeah, me too. And I it's
1: think, but so, I think it's such a big so ensemble good. cast that yeah. I can see it getting uh, the SAG nomination.
0: Nef- That's a good point. Netflix during the award season yeah. is coming strong. Guys, oh, well, I mean, if you think I,
1: about I, like yeah. right now, the the uh, category for best actor. Four out of five could be Netflix films. I mean, you're looking at potentially De Niro for The Irishman. Right. Potentially Eddie Murphy for Dolomite. Potentially Phoenix. Adam Driver. Joaquin Phoenix would be Warner Brothers. Uh, and then potentially um, DiCaprio would be Sony. But, I mean, th- th- Netflix could dominate the acting categories. That's when you crazy. look at everything that they have going Wait,
0: on. Uh, marriage Story is Amazon, I want to say. But either still. It's no, a Marriage Story oh. Netflix. Oh, it, it is? is Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, it okay. is Netflix. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. My I want to uh, say me.
2: something real quick. People listening to our show right now, um, it, it, they're doing a very interestingly scattered release of Dolomite. So, if you're listening to us right now uh, in certain cities, it does open in select theaters October 4th. I know in DC it hits on the 11th and Baltimore on the 11th. Chicago and it streams. The 11th. Right, and then it streams on the 25th. So, try and see it in a theater. It's a really good audience movie and it's just a genuinely well made film. I think Craig Brewer, isn't Craig Brewer doing Coming to America 2? Is yes. doing the sequel?
0: Yeah, because they um, had such so, a good time making this movie well, together. Well,
2: that gives me a lot of hope for coming to I'm America. I'm telling you guys, Dolomite is one of the biggest surprises I had at the movies this year because I did I'm not pretty know sure. anything about it.
0: I'm pretty sure Charlotte will get Dolomite in February of 2020 <laughs> based on the rollout schedule right. for my poor city. Uh, all right, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, that brings us to the big opening this week, which is Joker. Uh, let's go around the room and give really quick reactions to it. We're going to keep this spoiler free. Uh, and then we'll get into a deeper dive into the show next week. Um, we're about to throw it to our Joaquin Phoenix interview next week. I will also let you guys know that we are going to have Todd Phillips on the show. We got 10 minutes with him and Kevin and I will tell a really funny story about how that came to pass. But um, I'll, I'm going to go first and tell you guys that this is one of my only, uh, not my only, but one of my only five-star reviews uh, for the, for the year. I thought Joker was absolutely spectacular Um, and for reasons that I can't fully express to you, and I'm probably going to steal something that Jake's going to say to you, I need to revisit it a second time because it's either going to stay a five-star movie or it's going to come down to about a 3.5 because there's some significant things that happen in it that I now need to process, um, on a, on a repeat viewing and I kind of have to stop there, but the things that do work, um, it's Tremendous that it's a standalone story. I'm glad that it's not beholden to any movie that came before it. It's not trying to set up a universe. It's its own Joker, quote unquote, origin story. And then obviously Joaquin Phoenix is off the charts great in this as Arthur Fleck, the man who um is becoming Joker before our eyes. So I absolutely think people need to go see this. I think it works, whether you're a comic book. Uh, enthusiast or not, even if you're just into some, obviously some of his early influences include the Scorsese films, uh, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. So if you're into films like that, it's that it just happens to be set in what I think is a really great iconic location of Gotham. Uh, I dialed into a lot of the stuff about Gotham because I love the DC stories and I was thrilled to see that. But um, yeah, this is a five star movie to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's probably one of the best and I I hate sort of putting it under this label, but the best comic book movies ever made. I I think it's um, absolutely one of the best movies I've seen so far this year. Um, You know, I was very much one of those people that whenever they announced that this movie was being made, my big thing was like, well, that's, you know, the ambiguity is what makes the Joker so great. Why do we need to explain? And this is just one of many possible explanations. But for this particular one, I think it works Beautifully, I mean, you look at someone like Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight, and you sort of ask yourself, "How does a man get to that point? How do you, how do you get there?" And granted, these are obviously two different characters, two different Jokers, two different men, but the explanation for how Arthur goes from point A to point Joker, it kind of it makes sense, and it's haunting, and it's tragic, and it's terrifying. But make no mistake, this is the story of a villain. Like this is not a man that we should feel you know, we should sympathize with, you know, he is a monster and this is about how a man becomes a monster. Uh, But I mean, at the end of the day, he is not uh, forgiven of his crimes. The movie does not go out of its way to, uh, you know, uh, make amends for all the atrocities that he commits. And that's what I love about it. It's not it's not trying to make you like this guy. It's just saying, look, there is a villain called the Joker. He had to come from somewhere. And this is where he came from. And I love that it doesn't apologize for that. And I think Joaquin Phoenix gives what is probably my favorite performance so far this year.
2: Yeah, to me, the film, uh, I've seen it twice. So my second viewing was a a very interesting experience. The first viewing is very anxiety-filled. It's very, what's going to happen? It's very very unnerving. It's very disturbing. It's very horrifying. It's very gross Uh, in the sense of, you genuinely feel dirty when it's over. And the first time I'd seen it, I actually didn't have words to explain how I felt about it. I didn't tweet about it right afterwards. I was just kind of I I didn't really know what I was supposed to feel. Um, I just knew that what I just witnessed was something unique, special, um, that it was uh, an incredible piece of cinema. The second viewing is where I truly realized how much of a masterpiece the film really was, or is. And that's because as you sit back and study it uh, from a shot standpoint, what Todd Phillips does brilliantly with Joker is he's made a film that is very intimate yet gigantic on a big scale of Gotham City. Um, And that's all done through these incredible wide shots and running shots and moving shots of Gotham City and then a lot of it is taking us into a room with Arthur as he's descending into his madness, um, whether it be a handheld camera while he's dancing in his underwear, dyeing his hair. Uh, these these moments feel handmade. They feel very documentary style, yet at the entirety of the scope of the movie is this gigantic, epic Gotham City scale. And I think those two aspects playing back and forth are fascinating to me um, because we're really honing on, on one person and then seeing the effect that this person has on the full scale of Gotham. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, it's the best performance of his career. Uh, it is There's no Joaquin on screen whatsoever. Uh, the 52 pound weight loss is, is an interesting number, but if you think about it, and this is something that you'll learn in the interview you're about to hear, that's all him. That is not visual effects. That is not uh, anything enhanced. It's him. Uh, He became this guy. Uh, And I have a lot of theories about what I think happens towards the end. Uh, I still believe my theory heavily, and it still makes me even like the movie even more. Uh, But I do feel like this film is... A movie you need to see. Uh, I am not a person who thinks that movies lead to violence. Um, that's just my personal opinion and personal take on entertainment and movies and music and video games and things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, like Jake said, this is a film about a villain. Um, but I, but I think one thing I will say that I do not disagree with, but I do want to add before we toss this, this is a film that also deals with mental health, it deals with lack of love, it deals with a lot of things that are realistic in our world and there's a lot of things that you can find relatable as to why he feels a certain way, not that we're condoning any violence, but to me it is fascinating that you actually, and I don't know if Jake did you not care about him at all in the first hour and a half of the film, hour of the movie?
1: It's not that I didn't care about him because I'm not saying that you can't care about him. I don't think he's a, a madman
2: right at the beginning. I think that he's I think he's driven to that. I don't I don't I don't think Arthur Fleck like set out to be a bad person or was a madman. I think that he was driven there and because of his past that was then what kind of triggered and turned him into that person. And we've all agreed on this that that subway sequence it, the, the movie turns after one moment occurs. Yeah, well,
0: let's let the people see it. And let's also, let's have them sit back and enjoy a conversation with the man who is responsible for the creation of this legendary character, Arthur Fleck. And the Joker, guys, this is our extended, in-depth conversation with Joaquin Phoenix about Joker. And I do want to point out, there are some very minor, small spoilers discussed toward the end of the interview. But here is Joaquin Phoenix. Sitting down with the Real Blend podcast to discuss the
4: new movie Joker. Uh, awesome. You guys are so lucky because I've been doing this at the end of the day, the second day of press, and I have nothing to say.
3: Awesome. very silent for 30 minutes. They can just
4: stare at No, it's so awful. Like sometimes I look at the schedule and I go, well, why did we schedule it that way? Because at this point, we're just done. And to top it all off, we just had lunch. So this is going to be But you haven't snooze. heard our questions. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Joaquin, you're more than welcome to take a nap on that couch, and we'll talk <laughs> to you that way.
4: Perfect. So anything you're sick of being I'll asked? I like this. Why didn't I do this before? <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> don't you want to be asked about? No one is crossing all it. No,
2: nah, it's cool. Yeah.
1: Shoot. Uh, So one of the quotes that uh, you guys talk talking a lot about in the press tour is a quote from The Killing Joke where the Joker says, I prefer to think of my past as a multiple choice. I'm curious as an actor, what's that balance of, because one of the most interesting things about the Joker is his ambiguity, the fact that we don't know about him. What is that balance of you wanting to figure out who this guy is, but then also not ruining the thing that makes him interesting, which is that we don't know who this guy is?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that's... Part of what attracted me to to the role, Um, it is kind of the antithesis of what the the cliche of being an actor, which is what's my motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I grew very comfortable in, in the space of not knowing and not being able to answer the question. And in fact, there were times where we started to identify kind of what motivated certain behavior And it just seemed wrong. It took all the life out of the scene. Um, And so the more kind of ambiguous it was, the the better it was um, for me.
2: You know, walking. One of the things I found interesting
4: is uh, this. Is this the last question? Yes. This <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. This is, I'm just skipping ahead <laughs> <Yeah>. to the <laughs> end. Love it.
0: I knew I was gonna like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm in trouble.
3: <laughs>
2: um, so one thing I found interesting, I was talking to Todd yesterday um, for the junket and. I was asking him about the sequences where you're either bending over or you're walking to a door and we see like the bones from obviously the character. And, and I thought maybe there was some type of effect added there, a visual effect, a digital. And he said, no, that's completely Joaquin. And he said that the the bone on this side, as you walk to the door, that's kind of protruding out. He said, that's a real thing. I wanted to talk to you about what that was like to perform with that element and the idea of like, is that something that like, was that from an injury that occurred? I was curious what that was. I, I was
4: just born with it. I was just born with the the. The, uh, I I don't really know what it is. The just bones aren't connected properly. So it's like a slight protrusion, but it's really noticeable when you get down to like that weight. Um, but what was the other question? Well, just this the idea. Is your last question. This is my so. last question. Make it count. Uh,
2: But just the idea of like that was all physically you. There was nothing enhanced. Did you have to physically do anything to make it manipulated so it looked the way it did? Like when you're bending over, did you? Was that all just the way it looked naturally?
4: Um, that's the way it looked naturally. Um, you know, obviously it was um extreme weight loss. Um, so it starts kind of sticking out, but. Um, I mean, I might have bent over a little bit more to try and emphasize it, Uh, just a little bit, kind of push it up. Um, But, you know, it was almost like metamorphosis, you know, we wanted to see kind of, I mean, for me, all of it was, when is the Joker going to emerge? And it's this part of Arthur that has been suppressed throughout his life, and how are we going to see that manifest itself? And there's both like an emotional, mental, um, physical kind of transformation that occurs. Um, so it was just an important part of the character. seemed really obvious in the beginning.
2: Do you see a divide, a, a, a very clear
4: divide between Arthur and Joker? Um. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough because. You know, it's it's the same person, but it's really because there's so many different ways of looking at this character. It fucking did my head in. Um, it's so hard to 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 know what's real, or what isn't. For, for instance, the the laugh, the laugh is described as a, as an affliction, right? as, as some some kind of uncontrollable fit of laughter that he has, um, and that's what I believed it to be as we started shooting. Um, And then I started working with Frances Conroy who plays my mom and I don't know what it was about this interaction but something made me distrust the things that she had told me when I was younger. Um, And I started thinking about, about the laugh and I imagined that this part of Arthur, Joker, that must have been in school and kind of breaking out into laughter at the most like inappropriate moment and how would a parent deal with that and how would they talk to the principals and they might say like he has a condition it's something that he can't control and it's something that he's been told his whole life to where he believes it um but then I started wondering whether that was actually true Hmm. um I started thinking of it as like no, it's the Joker that's trying to emerge, and that's why we, we ended up adding the line when he's in the hospital with his mother, where he says, you always told me that this was a condition or something I was born with, um, but it's not true. That's the real me. Now, I don't really fucking know which is right. You know, I don't know if it was a condition or if it's the Joker trying to emerge, but I think that's another example of the thing that I didn't need to answer, nor did I want to, Um it, it was just this movie and this character. Um, I mean, all movies, I think, evolve and they become something different than what's on the page. But I think this character and film, more than others I've worked on, um, went through kind of a radical, radical change as, as we were filming.
0: That's a great transition into where I'm going, which is. That
4: was the last question. Okay, we're get, <laughs> <try>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can get yeah. on this
0: one. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was just <laughs> talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is not on record right. at all. Okay, good, good. We watch um, a ton of these movies, and we understand the business behind them, and and you're protecting these brands and everything, um, and. I swear we. Yes. No, no, no. Yes. I mean studios. Um, but so we're coming out of this film and we keep saying to ourselves, we cannot believe How does this movie this exists. Movie exists. Yeah. That they let you guys do this with uh, an IP like Joker, a recognizable character like Joker. So I'm just curious during the production if there were notes coming back that just said, you guys can't. What are you
4: doing with this classic character that we. Uh, never. I mean, I think usually actors are shielded from those kind of notes, anyways. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, uh we never we never had that I mean they were really uh hands off and trusting um Todd to to make the film that he wanted to make
1: you know I everyone's a lot of people are talking about how much weight you lost but I read initially that you wanted the character to be overweight and I was wondering if that was true and what was it about this character because when I think of the Joker I think of a very slender guy but what made you want him to be overweight would that have changed the character at all
4: does it seem like it'd be easier? <laughs>
2: to to um, gain the weight rather than <laughs> lose it? <The> very, <laughs> Is that
4: simple. The, the very first bit of research that I, I did was about medication and the side effects of medication. And everybody on these boards was talking about these dramatic um, changes in their weight, whether it be putting on weight or losing weight. Um, and something so fucking tragic about... Taking a medication because you feel out of step with the world. Um, and then you have these side effects that magnify that feeling. Um, and so I just, as I said to Todd, I think we need to have something that, um, is drastic to kind of show this and it's based in reality. And I think it's, it's really worth exploring. And I suggested we put on weight because I've done the losing weight thing before, and it sucks.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I was like, I'm not yeah, I I wa- wa- take that. Yeah, I don't want to do it again. Uh, but Todd was really smart, and um, and he said, no, I, re- you know, I really think it's the other way. And I knew that it was going to be that that way, uh, but I just wanted to give it like one little push. Give you a shot. Um, you didn't say that in
0: front of the did you? Because. No, <laughs>
4: no. But it but it was amazing because it. You know, there, there's the the physicality and how you look, and, and that's valuable, but I think more than that is how it makes you feel. Um, and Arthur is somebody who is, like, constantly searching for um, validation and, and acknowledgement and love. Like, he just wants to consume people's adoration, really. It's what, he like, he needs. And I think in some ways... Um, I've had that feeling like I was constantly dissatisfied um, having that kind of level of hunger makes you just think differently Um, but I think it also it made me feel my body in a way um, that I don't normally kind of feel and I think it allowed me to find a lot of the the movement that ended up becoming such an important part of the character Um, and I don't know why but I think you just become hyper aware of your body um, at that point like you think about it differently Um, and so it ended up You know, being twofold, something that uh, uh, affected me kind of emotionally, mentally, but but also altered the way I felt about myself physically. His physicality,
0: firing the gun, it's almost like you know, like it was out of control a little bit. You know, trying to hold on to it, that really
2: walks and everything. yeah. Yeah,
0: that struck me very much.
2: You know, uh, well, first of all, thank you for mentioning the medication thing. As somebody who's been on antidepressants all, since I was like 13 years old, that weight gain thing is a real thing. I, I remember like gaining a ton of weight when I was on some type of antidepressant earlier on in college, and it's it's it messes you up. It really does. Um, uh, this is something that I don't know if this is a better question for Todd or for you, but I've seen the film twice, and I noticed that when you're in the social services office, the clock on the wall says 11:11. When you go into the work and you hit that time stamp thing. It also says eleven eleven. I also saw a ten forty at one point, but I was just curious if eleven eleven meant anything for you as an actor, or was that something specifically that just kind of set design wise? Do you know? Does that mean anything to you? Paul is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do what?
4: Paul is dead. Paul is dead. It's a a Bible. No, 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 no. I know that. Beatles. Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but. Uh, uh, No. So what I'm saying is, uh, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I know that there are some of those things that that we that we put in, whatever the fuck you call them. Uh, Easter eggs, Yeah. That's Um, what they call these. Okay. Um, And then I think some of it. you might read into that's the Paula's Dead thing. That, okay. That's the joke I'm, I'm making. That. No, no, I get it. Yeah, sorry. And I might, be, but no, 1111 didn't mean anything uh, to me personally. Okay. What is the song that they play backwards? Do you remember what, I don't, what record it is? I, I can't even. I
0: know what the reference is. I can't think of what it was they played backwards. Um I we have I'd like to get into the makeup if we could. Obviously the, sure. the first time that they uh, showed anything from the film, it was taught on the Instagram oh, yeah. showing you the first look of you. And and it was almost like that was a moment where everybody sort of went, I don't really know what to make of this film to all of a sudden they were like, Oh my god, I'm all in. Like it's it's his face, it's what he's putting forward, it's his identity. I want to ask one quick thing before we get into the makeup, but are there moments throughout the film where Arthur is getting more uh, white in scenes before he fully transitions? Or is that something that I'm reading too much into it? Like, there are scenes where he's Arthur, um, but there's... Like, uh, first there's a
2: little trace of white paint on the bus there's like and white paint
0: and then later because, there's a little more
4: it's, it's meant to be left over, he's supposed to have come from work so it's him having kind of okay. wiped off but not Someone's gotten all. okay so
0: it wasn't like Joker coming up a little bit no, more
4: but that sounds good man. we should, <laughs> we should <laughs> say <laughs> that yeah you i can like, take that if you want all the European press I'm gonna say that <laughs> I thank I you that so answer. much <laughs>
3: you're welcome uh, uh, Joker is inside really good yeah, yeah. and he's
0: coming up through him yeah did you have how much input did you have into the final look? Uh, did you go through a lot of tries or?
4: No, honestly, Todd uh, sent me a, a Photoshop photo of me from another film with the makeup on and it was already designed. And he said, what do you think? Do you have any notes? And I was like, oh, I'm fucking great. I, I wouldn't know what to say. Um, the only kind of input that I had was I started, um, started kind of practicing putting the makeup on myself and when I would put all the white paint on, I thought there was something really haunting and unsettling about that look. Mm-hmm. Um, and so initially, the kind of the one of the end scenes um, I was meant to have to be in kind of full Joker makeup. Um, but I just thought it might be interesting if we just did the kind of white painted face mm-hmm. um. And uh, there's something really creepy about that, that look. Yeah, I think the white face is even scarier. Yeah, yeah especially too.
2: in that, the, I won't give it away, but there's a scene that something horrific happens in the apartment and yeah. it's just the splatter. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wicked yeah. stuff. Um, but a follow up to that, um, the makeup, uh, and this might be a stupid question, but if you're the character of Joker and Arthur applies his own makeup, do you essentially become your own makeup artist?
4: No, I, um, I thought that I would, and I like, I started kind of, you know, practicing and then we went in, um, to do tests to test out different looks and, uh, the, um, the key makeup designer, Nikki, um, uh, did the makeup. And, um, I was like, well, <laughs> 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 I, obviously you're going to let the pro do this because it looks so much better than what I did. Um, uh, but you also get into issues of continuity. Interesting. Um, so it's like, you know, you really have to, have to match, match things. And so it took a real pro, but. She fucking did such an amazing job that I was like, I'm obviously going to let her do it. Yeah, and the tongue lit. the tongue yeah. thing was cool. That was cool, yeah. Uh, you told me something interesting yesterday. You said that there were scenes you
1: thought were going to be hard that ended up actually being easy. And there were scenes that you thought were going to be easy that ended up being hard. I was curious if we could focus on the latter part of that. Like, what were the scenes that you really thought you were going to be able to blow through that ended up actually being harder for you as an actor?
4: That's a good question. I, I, I I don't know it's so hard for me to remember so long ago um what was the question? The you, you is told this me? the last question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 no, the, the, no, this is yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, his I, last. Yeah, but, hey, so Joaquin, okay, he, he's gonna lead. <laughs> there, there will be a last question one day. Tell me the question. This is three-hour interview. This is the result. Three hours. This is the result of two days. It's live. We're live. Now it's exciting.
1: You told me yesterday that there were scenes that you thought were gonna be. Yeah, and I'm just curious, what were the scenes that you thought you were just gonna be able to walk through? Not walk through, but were gonna be easier than you found. I still don't
4: have an answer. I was hoping that I would make you ask the question again, and during that time, I'd come up with an answer. <laughs> Strategy. No, I, I, I really can't. Um, I can't remember. Um, uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't. Remember. Okay. Well, let me. Add,
1: we're we're sitting in the shadow of of you on the steps right there. Would that be one that was
2: easier or harder than you thought it was going to be? And did you fall at some point? Because that is crazy.
4: No. What? Um. I made a huge error and it's, it's so embarrassing. And I don't know how it happened except sometimes you, you're just like prepping, you're doing all this work and sometimes things get away from you. But I never practiced the dance on steps. I'd only I'd done it on flat ground. <laughs> and not only that, but those particular steps are very, um, what is it when it's this way? That's not width. It's not know you mean. length. Yeah, yeah. So what is? It? Is it length? Maybe it is length. Yeah. Okay.
3: I think so. Yeah. There were depth.
4: It's depth. Because I think depth is that. Okay. It's more. Nobody so, can see. We're, we're doing longer, a lot of hand 20 movements 20. here, people. <laughs> yeah. For those listening, yeah, yeah. It, was a long, it was longer in
2: front of you. It was longer than you expected in front
4: of you. It was shorter. Shorter oh, than I yeah. expected. Oh, okay. okay. And so I practiced the dance a particular way with my toes. Pointed forward, and then I got there and I was like, oh, fucking, "I fucking won't be able to do this." Yeah, we so see the, right like, there
2: behind you, like they're protruding outward like that, yeah. right?
4: And it was it was uh, unexpected. But I think the other thing that I didn't expect is that um, there were. Uh, alongside in those buildings on the side of the stairs uh, were apartments uh, filled with teenagers that were banging on the window being like, fuck you, Phoenix! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, and, my God! And, and that, was, uh, that was unexpected, and I was like, this is bullshit. And then I, whenever that happens, I think of, like, I go, like, that just doesn't seem right. And then I think, like, about professional athletes, where it's like, .2 seconds left and you have a free throw and people are like yeah, waving yeah. behind you be like, you suck! you're yeah, yeah. like, oh, that's what it is to be professional. Like, under the best circumstances, anybody can can act. Um, but it's like when you just want to fucking run away because there's cool teenagers <laughs> screaming oh my at God. you. Oh God!
0: That would have knocked me so far off. Yeah.
4: My game. Wow. <laughs> we were just saying before you walked in, like,
1: I,
2: I get scarier, I get I get more scared going and speaking to high schools than I do talking to Because <laughs> <laughs> high school kids have, are scary, have, man. Sure, yeah. You know, one thing I love about what Todd does with this movie is he utilizes the score and cinematography as a leading character along with your performance. Hilder's score is such an amazing emotional element to your performance and so is the cinematography. I was talking to Todd yesterday about that shot when you go in the fridge and how the camera was just sitting there steady and then it moves a little bit and comes towards you. It was like very handmade, very docu-style. But I read that, I talked that Hilder actually wrote a lot of the score prior to the filming of the movie and I was curious if you got to listen to any of that prior to shooting and if that affected your performance at all knowing what the score was gonna be
4: um, yes next question <laughs> no no. Uh, no, I, I, no this is again a story that I've've told many oh, times I'm sorry. But it, no but it's okay because um, I mean for me it's it's interesting because it was a a scene that um, was transformative I think not only for the character but for me and really me and Todd's working relationship I think it was the I think it was the second week of, of work um, and it's a scene where I run into the bathroom after the subway sequence yeah um, and we'd been throughout kind of prep and rehearsals we'd been talking about this the scene and it was originally written differently um, and it was really about kind of stashing this gun. And I couldn't really put my finger on on why I didn't think that it was working or that I, I was like looking for something else, but I felt like it was a real opportunity to try and um, try and illustrate the emergence of Joker in this kind of really um, powerful uh, transformative moment, um, I you know, where he does what he does. Yeah.
2: Because you could argue the first two things that happen in that scene on the subway are self-defense. It's the third one that becomes the.
4: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other discussion yeah, because yeah, yeah. that sequence um, more than any other, I think it's touching on several things yes. like in two and a half minutes. Um, and it's a, and it's a lot. Um, but by going off that for a second, so we went into the bathroom and, and uh, we got there that morning and Todd said, you know, let's just go in alone and talk about it and so we went in the bathroom we just talked about the different ways that we might be able to kind of illustrate this this transformation and what it could be and um nothing really worked and 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 finally i said i know this sounds weird but i feel like it's some kind of like dance like some kind of movement um but I don't, I don't, I know that sounds like what's a dance. Is it, is it happy? Is it rageful? It's none of those things. It's like metamorphosis, you know, what is that? And he said, wait, I just got this piece of score from holder, And he's played it, and I was just immediately affected by it. Um, and, and I said, I don't know, I don't know what this is. He said, well, you don't have to worry about it. I'll start, I'm just going to start on your foot. Um, and so then I went and I got dressed and I came back, and they had the room lit, and we had two cameras inside, and we just started playing the music. And I was really just responding to Hilder's music. Um, and So it was there for you on set while it, you danced? It was there, but, but I think that was the first piece that he got. Wow. And so, just like for me looking back, you know, the, the odds of, of that happened, like him getting that piece of music, the first piece of score, just like a couple of days before we did that scene. Because that, that scene, I think it just unlocked so much for me. And I understood so much more about what he was experiencing. But I think it also, um, I think Todd and I in that moment developed a way of working and understanding each other and being comfortable with not knowing what was going to happen in some ways. Um, and so it became this really like transformative moment for, for all of us.
2: Thank you for telling. I I'd never heard that story, so thank
4: you for telling that again. You know?
2: Oh, and, and
0: then to that end, um, this did, did this feel a bit more indie in the way that you guys were able to stay light on your feet? Pivot when you needed to pivot. Go after something that
4: maybe you didn't plan to go after. Not really, because like indie, when you're shooting like six weeks, you don't normally have the time. Right. Did you say indie? Indie, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so um, you know, I think that's what was... Incredible about this experience, and really, Todd knew in advance. I remember early on, he said, "I'm, I'm really fighting for more days." And um I was like, I mean, "Come on, gonna, we don't we have enough. So how much are going to fight? It's fine. We'll, we'll figure it out." Todd, oh, is this the last shot? Come on! Yeah. <laughs> but he was so right. I mean, he really, he really knew. um that, that we would need more, more time. And, and so I think that the, the freedom that we had, the, the freedom that we, that we had from Warner Brothers to kind of shoot it and discover it um, was, was really key. Um, I think more so than you might imagine, um, because there were some really radical changes to the character several weeks into shooting. Um, Can you share anything? Um, I don't know how... Uh, um, I mean, like there's always it's always the case when you make movies, you, you start off with this vacuum, you're alone in a house, and you're kind of reading through the script, and you start imagining things, you start playing with it and rehearsing for yourself. And I think it always evolves. Um, but in this one, I'm not sure what what happened, but I had an idea, um, for some, <laughs> so stupid now.
3: <laughs>
4: uh, but I thought it was really good, and, uh, <clears throat> I think we just started, we started going down a, a particular road with Arthur, um, a way of approaching that character and his behavior, and it was based on a, a reference that, that I'd, I'd found, um, this this kid that is undergoing a psych, uh, psychiatric evaluation, um, and uh, I thought it was really interesting. He had a particular way of of behaving that thought was applicable, and um, and it it might have been it you know at times. Um, but then what happened? Are you guys sleeping?
2: No, no, we're no, no, we're like in. Totally we're in, in way, man. Way, way, uh, I can't wait to hear the story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, this. please. Thank you.
4: Um, but then what happened is in the, the sixth week of shooting um, was the first time that I played Joker. And um, I was really angry about that because I thought that it should wait until the end. Um, and I didn't want to kind of shoot it in the middle. Um, but for several reasons, we had to. And I was Joker. We, we, we shot those sequences, I think, for four days. And we, we finished... And we shot the last day of the week on Friday. We shot the um, bathroom scene with Thomas Wayne, um, and that was it. Was a it was a weird transition, and it was a struggle. And after that, after playing Joker, I just suddenly realized, you know, Todd and I got together, and we talked about everything we shot, and he said, "I I think that we've been missing something," um, and like I feel like we're going down a road that seems wrong, and both. The look, the hair is wrong, and the, the way I'm wearing the wardrobe is wrong, um, and a lot of behavior, and um, so we kind of, in that moment, over that weekend, kind of reconceived the, the character and kind of realized the mistakes that that we'd made, um, and so it was like it was like a really crazy time, but I became so grateful and thankful that we shot Joker when we did, because exploring that side of the character really allowed me to see this other side. And, um, there are just some things that you can't anticipate. And, you know, I think especially with this character, it was just, um, alive in a way that other characters aren't, You can't put your finger on it. Um, and so it was, it was a wild process. I'd never experienced anything quite, quite like that. That's I have a amazing. little bit.
2: That's
0: amazing. Um, Thank you so much. Dude. Yeah, yeah.
2: That I, hope, I hope that's yeah. okay. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah. Go you know, those are the sort of conversations we that we do that, this podcast for. That's why we for. do the podcast, because yeah. we want yeah. craft. Yeah.
1: Uh, there is a scene that a lot of people are going to be talking about, which is Arthur meeting a young boy whose name just so happens to be Bruce Wayne. Obviously, Batman is not what this movie's about, and you and I sort of talked about that yesterday. But is there more pressure to that moment? Are more people sort of aware of audience's perception of that moment? Because people are going to look at that and go, oh, it's, it's Joker meeting Batman, even though it's really not. Do you treat it any differently than you would treat uh, any other scene? No, no,
4: no, um, no, I'm trying to think about what was that scene? Um, no, there's so many other things going on that you're like concerned about like whether the flower gag is working, and you have the props guy, you have three different people that are trying to come up with like the right gag, and you're there, and you have to shoot, and it's a a cloudy day when it wasn't supposed to be, but it's the sun is going to come out, and so how do we mash and do we shoot this part? Then so there's so many different elements going on um, that I don't think that I, I was thinking about that. I really wanted the I wondered if the flower gag could work. Um, And then, this is gonna be uh, a a recurrent theme where I I make mistakes and have to go back and try and correct them. (laughs) We had shot shot the second half of the scene where I'm at the gate, but we didn't shoot me approaching him. And once, uh, once we filmed that, and I went back, we had lunch, and I was in the trailer. I was like, wait, how am I gonna get this kid's attention? What am I doing? I was like, I have my, I have the bag with all of my clown gear in it. Why don't I have the clown nose? Why wasn't I wearing that in the fucking scene? Like, but I'm mistaken. So I went back. I said, to Todd, why wasn't I wearing the clown? The clown nose. He goes, You always have the right idea after we <laughs> fucking shoot. Like, why, why can't you just think about this in advance? I don't know, man. It didn't occur to me. We, we were doing the second half of the scene first. It didn't feel like it's important. Um, but luckily we were able to make it work because we said okay we're going to shoot it with the nose this beginning part and then we'll just jump back and grab the opening of the other scene with the nose and take it off and if we have to we can do a little bit of uh, visual effects um, and so it worked out but the, like, there's so many things going on that you're thinking about right. and considering that I definitely don't think about the audience and right. what their reaction is going to be. Sense.
2: So Joaquin these are actually literally our last questions so um, this uh, I, this is a theory and I'm and, and again, this if, if this t- steps into any spoilers, we will hold this until we're allowed to use it. Um, I want to run this by you, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on it. Um, when he goes to Arkham to get the paperwork about his mother, um, he steals it from Brian Tyree Henry, runs down to the staircase, and we see him read it. And then the next scene, we cut to him outside of Ar- Arkham somewhere else. Um, earlier in the film, Todd specifically sets up delusional elements of him going on to Murray's show. Am I completely off or is that something that could possibly be a possibility that he just imagined the third act?
4: Um, I don't know what part of this is real. Um, You know, I I don't know where, where reality ends um, and his fantasies begin. Um, So I don't know. I, I mean, I think for me, the joy of this script and people's reactions is how everybody has a different kind of feeling about it. Mm -hmm. um, And different ideas of what it can mean and what's real and what isn't. Um, So even if I, I mean, I have my own opinion, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to share that um, because I think that's part of like the joy of this movie. Um, It's, it encourages the audience to participate with it in a way that you don't normally get to have when seeing a movie. Most movies, not to mention superhero genre movies, if this can even be called that. Um, and I think like that's, that's like the, the joy of it. It's, it's, so much fun to participate with a movie and get to decide what's real and what isn't. Um, but that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea. I'll get you out of here on this last one. I swear I got the last one. This uh, is more of a big
0: picture one. When we look from the outside in, it feels like every actor working, not every actor, but the major ones working now are pressured to be part of a comic book franchise, you know, get attached to a Marvel film or do a DC film. You guys have figured out a way to, to go about that, but is that something that we're totally imagining? Do you feel like a... Like oh I got I want to find a really good role and a, a lot of the roles now are prevalent in the comic book genre. That's a lot of things that are making their way to film. I want to find a good one. I should do a good one. Is that a reality or all? Because like, I mean I, I know at one point you were really close to playing Doctor Strange, uh, from Marvel. Unless that wasn't true. And I was just curious if you were looking at projects like I want to do one, but I want to make sure that it's a really good one to do.
4: Um, no, I wasn't looking at it that 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 way. I mean, for me, I'm. Always just attracted to the filmmaker, um, and so the size of the budget or whether it's studio or independent doesn't really matter to me. Um, I, I I didn't I didn't I wasn't wasn't interested in this movie because I thought I need to do a superhero movie. Yeah.
2: Okay, cool, Joaquin. Yeah, this so.
4: has been seriously. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure. You're a really good guy. I appreciate. Guys yeah, are great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank You're a, you yeah, you. a, a good guy. Thanks, bro.
2: Thank you so much. So yeah. yeah. He, he yeah. thinks yeah. my theory is completely off. And I'm, thank you for at least acknowledging that it could be a possibility.
4: No, I think it's interesting. I honestly had never thought
0: about that. Obviously, we have to thank Warner Brothers for giving us time with Joaquin Phoenix. And I want to just point out, I'm not, I don't think this is part of the audio. It's not part of the audio, Gabe. We cut that part out. Uh, It's, yeah, it's cut out. Um, Similar to the way we had, there's some Tarantino-esque uh, dialogue that we kept for ourselves uh, when when Joaquin ended, and as you guys heard in the interview, uh, not that he wanted to leave <laughs> right away, but he very uh, clearly was asking, you know, uh, this is uh, first when he first walked into the room for us, uh, we all th- three of us, all four of us were there because Gabe was there also to produce the show and to record it, and he was like, why are there so many of you guys here? And he just doesn't love doing interviews, he doesn't love doing press, and so. But I think his sense of humor really fit our sense of humor, and halfway through it, I think you guys will hear or have heard that he really tended to loosen up. And what was great for us, and we're clinging to this, is that it went so well that as he was leaving, he turned around and said to us, uh, thanks a lot, guys, this was... Dare I say, fun? As he kind of <laughs> like he was it confused
2: as, that that that, yeah, that, like, that that he had a decent time.
0: <laughs> so that's uh that's become a new catchphrase. And then, the, and the then real that podcast. led
2: to a moment, which we'll tell you next week. Uh, a little tease here, why we end yeah. up getting another guest on our show from Joker, kind of happened Correct. because of Joaquin Phoenix. You could say the moment was ah. Uh, Delicious, delicious.
0: <laughs> All right, this week's blend game. We are playing hashtag Joaquin Phoenix blend uh, in honor of this week's guest. Uh, I don't have an order in here because our producer didn't put in who gets to go first. No one Dana sent game. me picks. He types.
2: I was told that Solo Mike gets to go. first. I
0: sent you my pick, so I guess I get to go first. All right. Uh, I chose Inherent Vice. Here's the hand grenade into the conversation because my two co-hosts hate this movie. Sean, (laughs) Sean, Sean.
2: Yes. Why? But why? But why? (laughs) why?
0: Because it's awesome. Inherent Vice is awesome. And not only is the film awesome... Uh, Do you Phoenix mean signs? I awesome think you mean signs. It. Nope. I mean inherent vice. Paul Thomas Anderson's inherent vice. And I think I've said this on you the sure? show. You sure you're not talking about
2: The Master? That, that's, a, the, that's another Paul Thomas Anderson movie that was really that good. That
0: is a tremendous Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. Yes. A great <laughs> one by him. Uh, but Joaquin owns inherent vice. And I'll. T- I think I've said this on the show. I got the film as part of a a DVD screener for the end of the year awards consideration. And I watched it at home before I ever got a chance to see it on the big screen. And that movie cast such a spell over me that I had to keep going through a pile of other DVD screeners, things I had to catch up on because we were voting in our year-end awards. And I would get halfway through certain things. I don't remember what they were that year, but like some stuffy Eddie Redmayne movie. And then I'd be like 20 minutes into that and I'd be like, nah. And I'd pop it out and I'd put Inherit Vice back in. And I probably watched Inherit Vice like five times over the course of a week. Um, No, it was, I think it was like two or three. It was way up there. It's, and I get I totally get why people don't like it. It's it's a twisty film noir told through the perspective of a stoned out detective. So you never know what's real. And it's very funny. It's it's similar to Joker in that when you're watching scenes in Joker, you don't know if you are meant to believe them or not. Hey Sean. And there's
2: you yes. know, one, one of the questions we didn't get to get to with Joaquin Phoenix in the podcast, which I'm kind of upset because I really wanted to hear his, hear his answer, but I think he answered it yes. eventually, um, right. was uh, Joaquin Phoenix's favorite baseball player. Did you guys – did you hear about this one? He's a huge baseball be, uh, fan.
0: I didn't know that. No. He no. swings away. Oh. His favorite his fa- – yes, he does. That's a good signs reference. Uh, Joaquin um, – no, I don't know it. What is Inherent it?
2: Inherent Bryce Harper.
0: Honestly, I'm just impressed that Kevin knows a baseball player.
1: (laughs) That's that's what I take away from that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I really love, I love Joaquin in this movie because he plays completely dumbfounded uh, by all the things that are going on around him. It's a different role for Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, obviously you could pick one of his intense, uh, what's another great word I'm trying to think of for Joaquin? Uh, I'm going to stick with intense. But I think he's having a lot of fun with it. I think when you play him off of people like Josh Brolin in Inherent Vice, it's great. I think his collaborations with Paul Thomas Anderson are completely unexpected. When I looked over his body of work, and yes, I think we decided that Joker could be part of this also, I went with Inherent Vice. And I've been told that Kevin gets to go second.
2: Uh, I went with Joker. and and, And that's nothing to do with recency effect. I just think it's the, I mean, it's a two hour and five minute film or two minute, two hour and two minute film that he is, everything about that film. Every single moment of that movie is walking. I
0: don't think there's a scene in the movie that he's not in. I can't
2: imagine one. And I think here's why I think the performance is brilliant. Uh, You just heard this in the interview. You've probably heard this a lot in sound bites. He's talked about, Um, this is a very unreliable narrator, a, a very unreliable character. And the idea of him also not fully, uh, knowing the uh, the solid like uh, the uh, the solid element of what the story is trying to tell, in the sense of he he knows what he's doing in each scene, but it could be a number of things that he's doing. It's all up to interpretation, and every single thing you could throw at him to ask him about the character, there is a way to justify that answer. And I think that there it's fascinating to me that an actor has embodied a character with such a wide scope of ideas that anybody could play around with certain things about what's real and what's not real. There is nothing definitively set in that film, in my opinion, nothing we see in that movie could actually have maybe possibly happened, if you think about it. It's actually interesting. We could. This could all be through his story. It could all be through his eyes. And I think that, in my opinion, that's what makes the performance so special: is that you can make an argument against or for any theory that you may have for the character, and the fact that his performance has given that much openness to the to the idea of what the Joker is and Arthur Fleck's descent into madness. That, to me, is pure, pure cinema, pure acting, pure performance. Just became the guy. It's amazing. Hmm
1: jake uh i also chose joker oh get out of here yeah. that's so boring
2: yeah no you know it was funny <laughs> is, i actually wanted to he pick something else and i
1: and i i was also leaning toward gladiator but um but with joker i mean he's just so fr- i mean he he does uh, something that it's a funny phrase he does the most acting yeah um you know he he really it's you know it's a old cliche but like choose up the scene i mean he's so just freaking animalistic but his ability to go be like between the two,
2: but vulnerable, normally at the same yeah, time. normally,
1: uh, you know, an actor choose, you know, an actor, you know, will be either quiet or nuanced, or he's wild and crazy and animalistic and shreds the film. And in this, he manages to be both. And at in every scene, you go into each scene not knowing which one he's going to be. Right. And at any moment, he could be the opposite. You know, at any moment, he could swap. Uh, he's so unpredictable. Uh, we've seen at this point several uh, different versions of the Joker. But he somehow manages to give us one that we've never seen before, you know, in a world that is surrounded by, you know, Caesar and Heath and Jack and Jared, unfortunately, and Mark. You know, it it would have been easy to pick up different aspects, but I I didn't see any aspect of any other Joker other than his own uh, because he makes him a man first and the Joker second. Uh, I mean, let's be like Todd Phillips has been very open about, look, I wanted to make a movie about a descent into madness but movies like that don't make any money. So I called it The Joker, and it's going to mo- open to $100 million. Like, I, the way I see it is Walking Phoenix is doing a character study yep. about a man that goes insane and turns into a ma- mass-murdering clown. That clown just so happens to be stamped with the DC, you know, label of Joker. And that's what makes it, you know, give it sort of a broad appeal to audiences. But he, what he did there I just thought was tremendous. And a lot of times, you know, when we do junkets, and we're uh, watching the movie. It was the first time I'd seen it when we saw it at the junket. You're watching the movie and you're trying to think of questions and you're watching the movie, but you're also studying the actor because you need to think of kind of questions you're going to think talk to this actor about tomorrow. And there were moments where I had to keep reminding myself, wait, that's the guy you're talking to. You've got to like st- stop, like remind, your, like remind yourself that that's Joaquin Phoenix because you need to come up with, with crap to talk to him about tomorrow.
2: Um, and I feel like that was a good sign. Yeah, and, and what's interesting about, and I think what this is also a part of the interview, is that is... There. It, what's the line? Where is Arthur Fleck? And where is Joker? How much of the film are we seeing Arthur? How much of it is Joker? Is it somewhere in the middle? And I think that's kind of the beauty of the film is the descent into Joker is not that black and white. It is very uh, ambiguous. Um, and like I said, you could make a legitimate argument that nothing you're seeing in Joker happened. And it, and, it, and it works. It could work, but yep, it's interesting.
0: There is. We'll discuss it in depth next week. We'll get into it some, some more because we want more people to have seen Joker. Uh, audience picks for Joaquin Phoenix Blend. Dustin Stout said Gladiator. Ra- Raul Sh- Shinner. Shinner? Shiner? Shiner? says a tie between Inherent Vice. Thank you, Raul. Well, no one's going to agree with us because no one's seen Joker yet. Mentioned Walk the Line. I almost went with Walk the Line. Walk the Line would have been my second choice. Uh, Jess Stilwell said Signs. And there was a lot of love across the board, according to producer Gabe, for both Gladiator and Walk the Line. Um, It's amazing. Joaquin Phoenix had an incredible career. He's been around for an eternity. Uh, A ton of participation this week. We want to thank everybody who went to the Real Blend Twitter feed and played along with hashtag Joaquin Phoenix blend. We have a special one for next week, but Gabe, I'm also asking you, do we not have to do 80s blend? When do we do 80s blend at some point in October later on? Yeah, fine. Okay. Well then next week, we're playing hashtag Will Smith blend uh, in honor of Gemini man. Uh, and also just in honor of Will Smith. And um, you cannot pick, I'm taking one choice off the board. Aladdin. Gemini man. Can't pick Aladdin. Uh, no, I'm just saying. I was not gonna pick Aladdin. What, uh, you who, sure? Why did
1: you think we were gonna
0: pick Aladdin? I'm just saying I'm making the did game s- more exciting. Did you say <laughs> Can see I just Aladdin? give
2: you mine now? It's after Earth.
0: <laughs> yes, you can give me yours right now. Alright, so uh blenders, the reason we're doing hashtag Will Smith Blend is because it's a special blend game for this week, because we're actually going to do something cool that we haven't done on the show before. And I think we're going to try to do some more of these too is a way to sort of pay everybody back for how interactive they are on social media. We're actually going to have a giveaway tied to Gemini man. We actually were given, believe this or not, this is the type of show we're now becoming. We have prize packs that we can give away from the studio because they love the blend game. They've actually been responding to the blend game and they love the fact that you guys are actually playing along with it on social media. And so they came to us and said, We want to do something really fun, get people excited for Gemini Man, and play along with Will Smith Blend. So use hashtag Will Smith Blend, obviously, on social media, but you can also enter into this new contest to win a prize pack from Gemini Man by going to bit.ly, B I T period, L Y backslash real blend X. Gemini Man. I know it's a bit of a confusing thing. We'll actually tweet that out from the Real Blend Twitter feed account, but it's bit.ly backslash Real Blend X Gemini Man. You can find the link in the show's description. Keep an eye out on social media. Like I said, we'll tweet it out after the show is launched. Uh, you guys are going to have a chance to win. Uh, Gabe, what's in the prize pack? Tell me again. Do we remember? Gabe, <laughs> Gabe's
2: not 100% sure. We tweet out. In the, in the say- prize pack. Yeah, yeah. They've like, been they've been you know, promising. You know what's in the really prize cool pack, Sean? It's actually going to be uh, posters for My Name is Dolomite.
0: <laughs> that's a sick. This is why we're not getting angry on the show. A sick Gabe Byrne. Uh, go to uh, re- uh, email us your choices at realblend at cinemablend.com or, of course, go to the realblend Twitter feed and use hashtag WillSmithBlend. And, of course, enter that contest. Good luck to everyone. Hopefully, you'll win yourselves a Gemini Man prize pack. Okay, for next week. As we mentioned, more Joker talk, in-depth conversations on Joker, and some time with the director, Todd Phillips. You can also follow the guys along on social media. Jake is at, at Jake's Takes. Kevin is at @kevinmccarthy_tv, Kevin McCarthy TV. And I am at Sean underscore O'Connell is my name. Uh, drop us a review on iTunes. Obviously, it's very important to us that you guys help us grow the show. Um, send us a review on email. Hey, Sean. Via email. On RealBlend at uh, cinemablend.com. Yes, Kevin. I just got
2: an update on my phone about Joaquin Phoenix's favorite song of all time. <laughs>
0: okay. Yes, I'm ready. In, what is it?
2: Inherent Ice Ice Baby.
0: Nice. Thank that you. is a
2: really... That's a great Thank one. Thank you.
0: Yes. I'm, gl- I'm glad that all your puns include Inherent Vice Thank because you. you you dislike that movie so much. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. Um, Kevin, are you on vacation next week? No, no. So then? we're going to record our one more show on
2: Tuesday right before I leave right. for China and Japan. So... Um, okay. And I'm I'm actually working on this with Lauren to see if I can join the show from Japan or China when you guys record it. Be, if I can figure out the time difference, dope. but I will be. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna do one next week for sure.
0: We will record on a Wednesday. And Kevin nothing will be says on a romantic Friday.
2: anniversary getaway like Skyping with your podcast buddies. <laughs> well, Gabe's coming with me on the trip because just 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 to come anyway, so he'll be there. Yeah. So it'll work out perfect. for sure.
0: <laughs> Good luck with that. All right. So from the from the continental United States for now. I will leave you all with Dunkirk!
3: Dunkirk! <laughs> <laughs>